Movies and Booze. I'm Moncrief on News Talk. We are joined today by Leslie Williams, Fanula Jones, and Dave Hanratty. Uh, his first time in the Movies and Booze Cauldron. Good afternoon uh, uh, to you all. Hi, guys. Uh, uh, so, the, the two films you want to talk about today, Dave, neither of them require, you know, French subtitles or, or uh, longers. Uh, no, these are like thrillers through and through and uh, horrific in one sense. Evil Dead Rise, which is a new kind of installment in a long-running horror franchise and it is brutally violent and very, very bloody and very, very entertaining with it. Uh, we also have a film called Missing, which is a film that is entirely set from the perspective of someone operating a laptop. So if that sounds like your kind of thing, that we're going to talk about. Right, it. okay. Somebody, so like... Uh, um, short on cast then if it's just one person operating a laptop? No, they actually managed to instill about four or five or six different people because it's, you know, if you were Skyping or Zooming in you'll appear on the screen, that kind of thing. Right, okay. So would this be fairly low budget? Um, no, there's a lot of post-production in this. I mean, like, money has been spent on it. and It's pretty impressive in terms of its aesthetic, I must say. The narrative, well, we'll get to it. Right, okay. Uh, and uh, the, obviously the huge... Um, uh, the huge public demand for another Evil Dead movie has been once again fulfilled. Uh, what uh, wines are we talking about? We today? are in Burgundy, the world's most expensive wine region, where wines can cost up to fifteen thousand euros a bottle. I didn't bring any of those. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you know, like, but let's say, like, if you bought a bottle of wine for five hundred quid, yeah. would a bottle for fifteen grand be, you know, thirty times better? Than oh, you see, you're paying for the memories and for the for the for yeah, the the emotion and. The, <laughs> Look, it is an interesting thing. If I drink, if I I wouldn't spend that much, but let's say I drink an expensive bottle of wine and I've I've drunk it a few times before, I have those memories and I can relate it to the other wines in the village. So I would probably get a lot out of it. Okay. If someone is just drinking it randomly and tasting it, it'd taste nice, but yeah, they wouldn't get the same, you know. Yeah. So this means they should really keep all those wines from me. Okay, fair enough. But like, when we're starting to talk about thousands, would people generally be buying those as an investment anyway? Well, I mean, look, what what upsets me about Burgundy is, I remember back in 1999, there was a dinner up in uh, Marquery Castle where we tasted, um, I mean, we had three vintages of a wine called Chateau, sorry, called Latache to taste. It's one producer, they have one vineyard, that's all. Now they have other wines as well. That wine at that time was about 80 euros a bottle. These days it's 6,000 a bottle. Because wow. a whole lot of tech bros and rich people discovered it and they just drove the price up and up and up and up. It was gorgeous at 80 euros and I could afford that. I mean, I could, or at least in theory, you know. Mm. But um, yeah, so some is it for is investment, but it's also very expensive restaurants um, where the wines are, you know, trophy things where, you know, really rich people will spend the money on it. Um, so no, a lot of it is actually drunk, you know. I mean, yes, some of it is kept for um, for sales. And in fact, the most expensive bottle ever sold is a bottle of Domendola Romani Conti, which is the producer of, of, of La Tasse that I mentioned. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Can that go up and down though? Uh, same uh, way as, you know, investments you, can go up and down. It, you could get a, an, a, um, an abnormally where two, produ- two people who really wanted bid it up to a much higher price and it could drop a little. But in general, one once a wine hits a price, it kind of stays in that price. That's how Rudy Kurniaman made all his money. He was the guy, um, there was a, a wine, um, there was a movie made about him. He was a wine fraudster and uh, he would just go to um, auctions, bid a, outbid everybody for the wine, take it, right? And then, you know, bring your friends over, have them drink it, but save the bottles for souvenirs, which he would then refill in his house. I kind of somehow think that isn't a crime. I, I think that's fair enough. He got sent down for 10 years, sadly. Uh, but, wow. yeah, but, he, but it's reckoned he's, he faked... Million, well, 
thousands and thousands of wines over the years. And he drove the market bananas by outbidding everybody for it. And then he would literally remake them, you know. Yes. <laughs> yeah, great one. So the, the, the two are, are uh, yes. both Burgundies today. Yes, we have a white Burgundy uh, because uh, Burgundy is equally good at white and red. Uh, the white grape being Chardonnay and it's the original home of Chardonnay. The village of Chardonnay is in Burgundy and uh, that is uh, Bourgogne Haute Cote de Beaune from, from a company called WineSpark which is a subscription service and the second one is a bit more easy to find uh, because it's from O'Brien's and it's uh, from Santenay. Two of the lesser known sub-regions of Burgundy so they are somewhat affordable 24 and 30 Right, so. okay yeah. So these are like the, the projects of Burgundy yeah, kind of kind of, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what they are Yes yeah, yeah, That's exactly <laughs> Okay, apologise for that uh, <laughs> comparison uh, Right, so take that the musical does uh, like why <laughs> uh, is, my, is my question on that being that like it's, it's got to the point where you're making a musical about somebody who's like you know they've just been on Britain's Got Talent uh, and then mm. they're making a musical about them whereas they should do that when people are dead <laughs> that's, that's a good point yeah. yeah I didn't know that this was a musical but this has been on the goal since 2017 so it's like a jukebox musical uh, it's jukebox I should say uh, under the title of band so it's just like their songs put to a narrative essentially. Um, but it's getting this film adaptation. That's why we're talking about it today. And it actually stars our own Ashling B. So it's out on June 16th. And Who it basically she follows... Play? she Gary Barlow? She, <laughs> she, okay, so the story is it follows these like five friends who are obsessed with the band and it follows them 25 years later and they get the chance to see the band one last time and relight their friendship. That's the logline. Okay, not not my work. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be honest. The minute I saw this and Ashling B initially stared and I was like, oh, I don't know. I feel like you're above this and then the trailer came out and it was kind of getting me it was kind of cynics be gone I was nearly the tears were brimming you know what I mean like it was just how could it not when you have that greatest day in the background just absolutely giving it loads so I I will be going to see this in June 100%. so this will be huge then it'll be kind of like the, all, all those kind of ABBA sing-along I, yeah I think this could be Mamma Mia-esque uh, like the lads are on to they're, they're at, in they're on as executive producers. I would imagine there'll be some form of cameo where the girls get to go backstage or something and then they walk past and they're like, wow, I'm not clearly not familiar with the story as you can tell. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of good other good people involved like Tim Firth who did Calendar Girls is writing it. Um, so yeah, we we shall yeah. see. Let's report so back the, in June. the story isn't about Take That then. It's about people who like Take That. It's about that. the girls who like Take That but they're like not the main players in the story really. Like it's about the girls. It's about friendship. Isn't everything about friendship? And they, 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 not really. Uh, uh, so they all grew up listening to Take That and now it's so many years later and they're all divorced exactly. and bitter and overweight yeah. and they hate their lives. Pretty much, yeah. One of yeah. them wins a contest, I think, to see them. So she kind of rallies the troops and they go and it's adventure of a lifetime. I love my girls. I love Gary Barlow, etc., yeah. etc. Okay, that's it. Well, that's interesting. In- I watch the trailer and I just, I feel like it'll, it'll get to people because it got to me and I was yeah. very cynical going in. And now I'm going and I can't wait. <laughs> I'm going to well, be singing in the stalls. You enjoy yourself. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but, I, but I imagine though that the, the, the age profile for this film, the, the, the people who really like it might be like older than you. Mm. 
just Potentially, a little. Yeah, just a maybe, little. Maybe. maybe like a week or two. I'm happy to represent the youth. Yeah, you do that. Yeah. yeah well done. <laughs> uh, now, there's going to be, uh, oh, there's going to be a TV series of Twilight. What a what a dazzling idea. Speaking what a bolt out of the blue. Who thought that. something like this could happen? I love what you did there. Speaking yeah. of youth, my yeah. youth. A part of me thinks that this is probably too soon. But yeah, they are giving Twilight the television treatment. Uh, Sinead Daly, I tried to find out if she's Irish. I couldn't really. Uh, she's uh, down to write the script. She's worked on Tell Me Lies, The Walking Dead, Raised by Wolves, a couple of other things, The Get Down. Uh, unsure if it's going to be like just a straight up remake of the, well, it was a trilogy, but then they ended up splitting the last one into two movies. So like, I don't know what a four of that is called. But anyway, she's on board to write the script. We don't know if it's just a straight reboot of the movies or if they're going to take, I don't know, if they're going to follow the wolves and it's like the backstory of the werewolves. For anyone, sorry, who's unfamiliar with what Twilight is, it's basically this girl falls in love with a vampire and it kind of charts their relationship across four books and then it was made into uh, a movie. Like and it was people who don't know who that is. It was, yeah. it was incredible. I devoured this as a kid. Like I read the books, loved the movies. I remember when the trailer dropped for the second one, New Moon, and it's Robert Pattinson plays the vampire and the thing in... Twilight is for some reason all the vampires are like sparkly and there's this one scene where he like steps out into the sunlight and he's like sparkling and the, the girl that's in love with him played by Kristen Stewart is like running towards him so I'm very excited <laughs> 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 I'm trying to say. I don't care it's actually too soon I'm so excited so excited so say imagine um you were caught for an enormous wine fraud uh, <laughs> and you were just about to be executed and they said you can watch one movie before you die Vanula. would it be Take That the Musical or would it be the Twilight TV re- or indeed the twinkly Robert Pattinson being chased it by would a be, woman it would have to be Twilight of course yes, and of also course. sorry my favourite fun fact and a good one for a quiz is that Fifty Shades of Grey is actually based off of Twilight but they just made him not a vampire and just really into writing so there you go <laughs> It started as like Twilight really? fan fiction. I swear to God. It's no, my I knew she, it started online. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know that. There you go. If, if you have, if anyone has their Fifty Shades of Grey copy handy there, it'll say it, <laughs> whatever the disclosure is, that it was based so, off of that work. It's was in Twilight the, originally a book though? That was, or It was a book uh, written by Stephanie Meyer and she's involved in this TV reboot as well. And then it was adapted into uh, the movies. So... I hope the book, yeah, the movie, yeah, yeah. I hope it's better written than Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, it's incredible literature. I would uh, say. I'm sure it is. Uh, <laughs> uh, the documentary about the wine fraudster is called Sour Grapes. So yes, couldn't think of it. Yeah, and it's, it's very Apple, good. Apple TV, if uh, you can download it, and if you want, it, it costs about three, four euros. It's brilliant. I mean, and there's, there's a lovely Schadenfreude for anybody like myself who's interested in wine, because all these rich people who are turning up at wines that are saying, "Look at this, taste this amazing thing. It's such a bargain." And the guy who actually knows about wine and the works in the wine shop says. That's skunk juice. Where did you get it? Because yeah. it's fake. You know, it's not real. You know, it's it's yeah. yeah it's good. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, tell us about the first one, which so, I'm okay, sure isn't skunk juice. juice. Yes. <laughs> uh, right. So, uh, Domaine Nicolas, and it's uh, Burgoyne Hut Coat de Bone. So, um, the the Coat Door is this sort of magical thirty kilometer long slope uh, that runs um, Bone. The city of Bone is in the centre of it. Dijon would be north of it. Um, and so basically on that slope there's something just magical that happens to Pinot Noir and Chardonnay they just grow really well you get sort of layers and subtlety and yeah people will pay a lot of money the hot coat of bone is an escarpment above that so you're a couple of hundred metres above level so actually you know you, although it has bone in it it's sort of 
you know, about a two, it's 200 metres higher up. So it's, mm. it's fresher wines, the wines, are, it's cooler climate. But you can these days get really good grapes. There was a time 20 years ago when the wines from the Haute Côte de Bonne and Haute Côte de Nuit, which is similar kind of higher level vineyards, were a bit thin and a bit rustic and so on. But these days with global warming, um, the, the, the grapes tend to be much riper and it is a place you can get bargains. And uh, this is made by um, a brother and sister, uh, Marlene and Benoit, who are sixth generation um, makers. They're about to take over their, in their photographs they look really young um, I should mention this is not available in a shop you've got to go to WineSpark which is an interesting idea um, this guy Fitzgerald you basically pay a tenner a month and then you can buy his wines but it means that he gives good discounts this should be normally 30 something and you can get it for 23 um, and he, he literally makes his money he lives off the subscriptions and then basically the, the, the wine so it does actually give some good discounts and so on um, but um, it's just sort of um, taut and creamy yes there's some oak in it but that's what they've always done in Burgundy mm-hmm. that's yeah. why the Australians started putting oak chips in wine because that was what the French did and they wanted it to have a taste like that. It's just got this lovely kind of melon pear. What do you think, Philip? Do you like that? Really nice. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. nice. And just sort of, it, it, see, people think they don't like Chardonnay, but you know, they buy Chablis, which is the one of the capitals yeah, of Chardonnay. Yeah. They buy Macon, which is, of course, Chardonnay. They're the two extremes. Chablis being very dry and clean. Um, and back on being quite fleshy and quite soft and this is right in the middle of that um, in the just off as I say the higher part of the coat door um, and yes it's about 24 euros which I think is great now, yeah. but, um, and you'll be hard pressed to find decent white burgundy under 30 euros to be honest you know um, so this is absolutely true oh yeah that's lovely um, Tony says a lady who was a massive take that fan heard that they were breaking up while she was on her way to an interview she was so upset during the interview that the interview panel offered to get the company nurse for her. Uh, she didn't get the job. <laughs> and a four-part series is called a quadrology. Thank you. That's good to know. There's another one for a table quiz. That sounds like something the company nurse uh, might do. Yeah, really, a quadrology. Movies and booze on Moncrief on News Talk. What's happening to me, sweetheart? I don't know, Mom. I do. I'm free now. Let me kiss it better. There you go. Uh, that's uh, Evil Dead Rise. So, uh, is this is this kind of just how the whole thing started its story yet again, Dave? Kind of. It's a, a bit of a reboot. Uh, the Evil Dead franchise began in 1981. Sam Raimi made three films with his friend Bruce Campbell, essentially mostly set out in the woods in the cabin. Demonic possession comes along, bad things happen, etc., etc. Then it went away for a while. There was a reboot about ten years ago. Pretty much the same movie again. This is slightly different, and by slightly different, I mean we're not in a cabin in the woods. We're in a dilapidated apartment building. But then demons come. Innovative, yes. Uh, <laughs> but did they come the same way? In, in Isn't it a book or something that yeah, they find? Yeah, there's a book of the dead, which uh, shouldn't be opened and is. And then there's like a, a moment where they play a record backwards and you hear these kind of ghostly recordings. And again, you shouldn't listen to that, but they do. And mm. of course, wouldn't you know it, this uh, family that's struggling as it is to just get by in their daily lives now have to contend with the fact that the mother has been possessed by a demonic entity. <sighs> All, all those things come along at once, yeah. isn't it? That's like we've all been there, uh, really. So, is the what's the point of making this movie then, Dave? Yeah, if it's been done so many times before. Uh, 
like unlike Vanilla with the idea that Twilight, you know, it's a bit too soon. I I know that that's a very sacred text, but I think you know every ten years we we, we can like get a new. We can get a new Evil Dead movie every, every now and then because you know I, I did I, I did Sean I, I I detected some jaded cynicism earlier on perhaps when you were saying that you know that people oh, are yeah. clamoring for you this. Did, kind you of did thing. get your ears <laughs> on wax then. Uh, horror fans love this kind of stuff, and mm. I think it's just time. Uh, and crucially as well, what's very interesting from our point of view is it's actually an Irish writer and director at the helm this time. Okay. okay. So it's Lee Cronin who made a film called The Hole in the Ground in 2019. That's his only previous feature film. I guess Sam Raimi and the boys took one look at that and said, that's our guy. So this is a huge deal for him. And I have to say, he's really, really stepped up. Horror films are ten a penny. You know, like it's hard to kind of have an original IP every now and then. I think that there's enough, just enough love out there for this genre. And especially what this is. This is like a, this would have been a drive-in movie in the 80s. This is mm-hmm. now a Friday night popcorn thing. You know, bring your friends. You know what you're going in for. And also, crucially, how do you feel about lashings and lashings and lashings of blood on the screen? I think, if I have this right, they went through six and a half thousand liters of fake blood to wow. make this thing. That is impressive. It's pretty uh, good. So is it kind of schlocky? Does it kind of lean into that? Yeah, very much so. I mean, like, it is super violent. This is not for people who are squeamish at all. Uh, there is serious, serious body trauma and carnage occurring in this movie. Even talking about some of the things that you will see on screen, I probably couldn't even say on the radio. But it is all done with uh, with a wink and a nod. Like it's it's for horror fans. This isn't lingering violence. It's not going to upset you too much beyond kind of clutching the person next to you. This would be a really good first date movie, I would mm. say. You know, because like, people would be huddling in together, terrified of what they see on the screen. Talk or about or a last date movie, depending on that, you know how that plays out for the uh, person. I think it's worth the gamble. You know, <laughs> it's, it's a real acid test as well. Like like, can I trust this person with my with my emotions during this particular roller coaster thrill ride. Uh, so, but, it, but is it essentially telling, this, apart from the change of location, is it essentially telling the same story or is it telling it in a slightly different way or, or you know, what what's new that's being brought uh, it's the same story it's, yeah. there, okay. <laughs> it's there's, a, there's a vicious unkillable demonic force and we have to try and survive the night what is done differently is um, I guess you've kind of got an all female cast for the most part that hasn't really happened before the setting like I say it's in an apartment block an apartment building done quite well but it is about confined spaces it, and it is about gore 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 and are these effects going to be up to, to task and in that regard yes they are there's some seriously disgusting things in this film but again it knows what it is it's pantomime yeah, okay. This is an 18 start film. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And a real pleasure, by the way. I love going to the cinema and seeing the 18 logo. You don't see it every day. And you, you don't know, really yeah. know. They could be right in the backsides of each other and you, know, you might get a 12 if it's lucky. <laughs> no, that now. No, this is just good old-fashioned violence, I'm afraid. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, that's good to see. Uh, people like uh, Evil Dead, Ash, uh, um, Ash versus Evil Dead TV show is brilliant, uh, says one texter. Yeah, it's more of a comic thing. That keeps Bruce Campbell in the mix, but this is much more on the horror first, I I think. So this is much more... And this is a cinema release or is it one of those cinema for a week and then it's on a streamer? Um, I think it's going to do well. It's out today, as far as I'm aware. And I'd be surprised if it didn't do well. The the word of mouth has been good. The buzz has been good. Even the critic screening I was at, you know, the critic next to me jumped out of their seat at one stage. So, okay. You know, it's, it's, pro- it's proper good, this. Like, it actually is. And it deserves to make money. I think it's going to do really, really well for Lee Cronin as well. I think it's going to put him on the map in Hollywood. He'll probably be able to do whatever he wants next off the back of this. He's had the support of the original producers and Sam Raimi, who came up with it in the first place. And now, if this performs at the box office rolls his oyster okay well good for him uh rachel mcadams isn't in it uh, and no. uh, wasn't in a lot of films apparently yeah she was she did this new profile with bustle uh because she's promoting something that's escaping me but she was talking about how uh, at one point after the peak of her success with like mean girls and the notebook she turned down like roles in a lot of stuff and some of the stuff like 
kind of surprised me. So there was The Devil Wears Prada. Not sure if she was the Emily Brunt role or the Anne Hathaway role. Casino Royale, like the love interest there, which obviously reignited wow. the Bond franchise. Mission Impossible 3. Uh, Iron Man and Get Smart. She turned them all down and they all ended up being like kind of big box office hits. Was she anybody at the time? Particularly, she, well, she was coming off the back of that the, that success of those movies. Like she was obviously a big enough get that people were going to her, yeah. being like, "Can you be in this movie, please? I think you'd be great." But she basically just said, "I think she found the success like quite overwhelming." She went back to Canada for two years, and she said, "Like she felt guilty for not capitalizing on the opportunity." But then, having seen a lot of the movies in question, she was like, "No, no, like it it went to the right person." But it's funny that if she did go for the Anne Hathaway role, or if she was considered for the Anne Hathaway. Role, in Devil Wears Prada that means that there were that were two movies that she lost out to and or not lost out to but you know they took the role because Anne Hathaway's in Get Smart as well which oh, I didn't actually make that much money but apparently yeah. it did so um, she did obviously end up joining the even if she didn't take up Iron Man she obviously joined the Doctor Strange franchise which had its most recent release it yeah. last year wasn't it or the start of this year anyway yeah. most recent Doctor Strange so yeah and she was, this was for, a, uh, this is a magazine interview she got and she was wearing latex underwear. Yes. This is an odd thing to pop into the course of the conversation. <laughs> so, well, I think it's because the photos are causing a bit of a stir because it's a profile for Bustle and she asked for them to be minimally retouched. And the latex underwear isn't actually really the significant thing. It's the fact that she is like prominent underarm hair on show and she asked them okay. not to edit it out. And obviously, because of that, people are now going insane on the internet because a woman is publicly hairy and asked to be kept publicly hairy. And, you know, the usual crowd Insane in a good way or insane in a bad way? I would say predominantly insane in a bad way, unfortunately. I think, you know, the usual crowd saying it's disgusting and why are you showing off your body hair and stuff like that. she has body hair. Exactly. You don't need to tell me. I'm all for it. I know, it's mad. I think Rachel McAdams was the one. She refused to take all her clothes off for Tom Ford for a Vanity Fair shoot where Scott Johansson and others did and yeah. so on and uh, yeah she's done yeah. She's a lot of she's been quite you know I've said I watched a documentary with her and her sister and something and god she was so boring she's very pretty <laughs> but like I just couldn't watch it she was so boring yeah, yeah you see she probably needs the old you know underarm hair to yeah. appear more interesting <laughs> yeah, it's like the way yeah. you know people wear coloured ties when they're when yeah. they're really boring to, uh, breaking news from Mick and Bray uh, about uh, quadrology quadrology is a combination of Latin and Greek the okay. correct term is tetralogy Pedantic or what says Mick? No Mick, not pedantic. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> That's what you are. So what's the sh- the story now with Alec Baldwin? I think people would have seen that the, <clears throat> the charges against him were dropped. But so are yeah. they going to keep making rust? Uh, they're still shooting it, it's which mad. is me and Dave were talking about. I know, about even that air, phrase. Yeah. Why, why are they still shooting it? Yeah, and it's a horrible turn of phrase. I apologise. But yeah, so the criminal charges have been dropped against Alec Baldwin, but he may still face charges. So I think people saw this headline and they were like, oh, so he's like getting away with it for want of a better expression, but that's not the case. The special prosecutors came out with a statement uh, late yesterday basically saying that there's been new information has come to light, new facts that they need to investigate further. And because of the time constraint, like they can't they can't do that with, without dropping the charges. And they've basically said like charges might be refiled. Now he's already come out and said like thanked Hilaria and 
want, you know, like I think he's kind of hoping that this is the end of it, but it's not, it's, it isn't necessarily by any means. So. Right, okay. But, but they'd be charging him as kind of the producer in the film and therefore he should have had some sort of responsibility yeah. for this kind of thing. Yeah, um, the former armour as well on the set, Hannah Gutierrez Reed, they thought her charges might be dropped, but her uh, her status remains unchanged as well. So I don't know if that will, we'll see. This is, uh, this isn't the end of it. And I feel like that's what I say every time we talk about this story. But yeah, it's not the end of it by any means. Yeah. It's bizarre that they're continuing to film it's it. It's crazy. There's a morbid interest in it now, though. I mean, I'm sure there's a level of, you know, let's get it finished for the cinematographer who tragically passed away. And I'm sure there is some truth in that. But at the same time, this is an independent film that wouldn't have got that much attention beforehand. Mm. Yeah. Now everyone wants to see it. And thus, there's got to be some producer somewhere saying, we're getting this done, we're getting it out, and we're going to make some money out of this. It's Hollywood, unfortunately. Lovely. Movies and booze on Moncrief on News Talk. He's right, we'll move on to our second movie of the day. It is missing. Here's a clip. Uh, what about for like, you know, like food or whatever? I left a key with Heather. Just call her if what? you need anything. No. What do you mean, no? no. Mom, Mom, Junebug, she's there to Heather. help you with whatever 18. you need. I don't need a babysitter. I don't care if you're 18. Okay, but okay? so I, you pick you Heather pick, of all people? You do not understand the sacrifices I made to give you Mom, the life that so you dramatic. have. Junebug, Stop if you would just... Stop telling me that! I just, I just need to know that you're safe when I'm away. <sighs> all right. Kevin's going to be there any minute to call the Uber. I also just deposited some money into your account for emergencies. Understand? What's the money for? Emergencies. Drop it, spend it, money. Right, okay, uh, that's missing. Uh, was uh, So Dave, was a lot of that conversation that was a remote or were they kind of facing each other? Uh, FaceTime. Uh, yeah. So you're hearing a teenager called June there, played by Storm Reed, talking to her mother, Grace, played by Nia Long, who is off on holidays, going on holidays with her new boyfriend, Kevin, played by the great Ken Lung, who's in a great TV show called Industry, which more people should watch. But uh, regarding <laughs> regarding this thing, yeah, uh, it, it's your classic teenager at home, you know, is going to spend that money on partying, etc. But wouldn't you know it, uh, her mother doesn't arrive home at the airport when she's supposed to. Thus, we have a mystery. Right, okay. And so what does the teenage daughter do about this? Uh, it's glued to her computer. So like like I said before at the top of the show, this is uh, one of those screen life films. And what those are is, if you've seen a film called Searching a few years ago, which this is actually set in the same universe as, essentially... Uh, she will then use her computer skills to contact uh, the hotel in Colombia, contact a guy on the ground in Colombia and hire him as a freelance worker to go and kind of, you know, be a detective for her type thing. Mm. And everything that you see in this film is uh, from the perspective of June sitting in front of her computer. So it's all as if you're watching it on a laptop or a desktop, even though, of course, this is a cinema release. But the weird thing about these movies is they actually function better if you're watching them on a laptop because they do have that kind of level of authenticity and they have WhatsApp and they have FaceTime and they have Spotify and they've whichever. So all the licensing you know, has been, all, all the boxes have been ticked for that kind of thing. But does it work as a thriller? Yes and no, I would say. Yeah, why? why what are the yes bits? What are the no bits? Uh, yes bits are the first hour is very, very fast paced and quite interesting. And the idea of, I mean, like, like this thing is laced with kind of true crime elements. Like people who are glued to those kind of shows will be like, oh, that's cool. This is fictional this time, but I can I can roll with that. Uh, and it is interesting to see what happened. And the mystery deepens and deepens. And I thought that the pacing was good. The direction was good. The acting was OK. And then the second half of the film, or rather the last act, is one of the greatest collapses of a film I have ever seen. It just goes narratively off the rails like you would not believe. 
Oh God, uh, that's that's a bit disappointing. But 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 even if you've been what, how long? What's the duration of this film? Uh, one hundred and eleven minutes. And if ever a film needed to be eighty-five minutes, it's this one. Yeah. So when you're in the kind of the final twenty minutes, and does it become a bit grating that you're just watching it in? The, the the images you're seeing are very confined in that you're not seeing people on a street or there's a you know there's no vistas or anything. They do get around that quite well, I will say, because for example, when she's talking to the guy in Colombia, you know he'll be uh, facetiming or whatsapping in while he's you know driving around on his moped in 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 Colombia, so you see the streets and such. But I, you attune to the gimmick. I mean, like 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 if you're watching it for half an hour or an hour, like you're in. You can like it, it kind of fades away. And the, again, they do the post production of this stuff must be very interesting to put together because. Uh, it, you kind of forget about it at a certain point. But then again, you, you'll know in 10 or 15 or 20 minutes if this is for you because it's not for everybody. Right, okay. And in the sense it's not for everybody, is it because of, if you like, for want of a better phrase, the gimmick of the film? Yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, it's it's. I, I think these films have a purpose. I think they have a place. It's kind of like a, a new way of doing fan footage, essentially. But mm. at the same time, you wouldn't want one of these every week. It is an interesting experiment. Uh, I think, you know, the problem is it just doesn't hold, especially because, like I say, there's just seven twists too many with the story itself. Everyone's working very hard. The performances are quite good. But at the same time, you really are just checked out by the end to such a degree. So it's more, so the difference, I suppose, is more a stylistic thing rather than it alters the story in any significant way it's still a mom's missing story oh yeah yeah like like it's a basic conventional thriller and it's, it's it's too basic for its own good really if anything you know you've seen this kind of thing before a million times you just haven't seen it done this way necessarily and i yeah, think yeah. the thing about this as well is i mean like it's again it's out in cinemas go see it if you want to but like i say number one it's going to work better on your laptop screen and number two when this does end up in a streaming service in about two or three months time i can promise you it's going to be hugely popular it'll be number one in ireland people will be sharing it around it's very very easy watchable kind of junk food but it doesn't have right. much more than that. Is it aimed at a particular, which, you know, you wouldn't bring your granny to see this. It sounds like a young person's film. A younger person, yeah. And I think yeah. one thing that kind of it does succeed in, in doing quite well is, like I say, it's set in the same universe as this film Searching, which starred John Cho as a father looking for his daughter. This time it's a daughter looking for her mother. And she's more attuned to being on the internet all day and being, you know, on her phone all day. So it makes more sense. Mm. Uh, younger audience, sure. But yeah, it's it's not so oppressive that you couldn't sit down and watch it if you're in your 40s or your 50s or your 60s. It's okay. Except you'd you'd be shouting at the screen, saying, uh, get a haircut. Uh, 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 Get get out of your house and ask somebody a question. Uh, Stop relying on your phone. Uh, that but, kind of thing. But she like do your homework. Straighten up. Get a job. <laughs> she's a very resourceful character, though, and, and technology goes a long way in 2023, as it turns out. Yeah. Uh, right. So anyway, that's uh, that's me. you're not that you're blowing fairly tepid on this, Dave. First hour is really good, and I thought the last act was an absolute crime. So yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. just so it's it okay. Off so it's it. crazy bad at the end of it. My God. Storm Reed is in everything at the minute. She's, she's in like the last she's of in us, Euphoria. Yeah. She's Ellie's love interest in Last, last of Us, us yeah. as you just mentioned. She's good. She's good in this, and she. It's a very good performance and she does her very, very best in the face of some questionable material. Okay. Now, uh, actors suffering for their... This this was a, the Hollywood Reporter kind of yeah. made a list of awful things actors had to do. They were, they were talking to uh, kind of people on the award ceremony circuit and kind of compiled this list as to the extent uh, actors have kind of pushed themselves mentally and physically for roles. And it was kind of based off even like recently Ari Aster, uh, there, he's out promoting his new movie, which is out here very soon, I would say, Bo is Afraid, which stars Joaquin Phoenix. He was kind of describing this scene in which Joaquin wasn't even on screen, but he passed out off camera to help 
Paddy Lapone because she was going through a very intense scene. I don't really know the context until I see the movie, but that's what prompted this piece. Um, so they interviewed a lot of people, uh, our own Colin Farrell. He talked about doing a thing called Northwater, which was a TV show. I don't know if it was ever shown over here, but it was shown Never in the States. It, yeah. uh, said he had to gain a load of weight for it and he ended up getting like heart palpitations and said he'd never gain weight for a role again which is probably why another thing me and Dave were talking about off air like I think he's gained a little bit of weight for the Penguin but it's like otherwise prosthetics that's the the Batman kind of spin-off series I think I remember though reading when he was in when he was in the Miami Vice movie I know I think he was drinking then but he did have a bit of a gut yeah and he was like sucking it in more than everybody else I'm sucking in my gut right now Miami Vice was like an interesting point in his career because he was either Dave will correct me on this he was either just coming out of rehab or imminently about to go into rehab and that was kind of the the real turning point for him I think in his personal life I'm obsessed with the 2006 Miami Vice I think it's an underrated masterpiece and Colin Farrell's amazing in it but he has said himself that he doesn't even remember making it because that's how bad of a state he was at the time okay but then again that's almost method acting for for that actual film (laughs) because you know given what it was about uh, yeah there you go Uh, Joshua Jackson is another one they spoke to so he was recently in Doctor Death which was the TV adaptation of the podcast Um, he said he burst a disc in his back ow ow because of weight gain over a very short period of time and also he said just the mental place he was in was really hard so he did couldn't walk for like six weeks after uh, to bring it back to Twilight Peter Fascinelli who played Carlisle in Twilight for my Twilights he talked about this role that he auditioned for where his character was going to be stuck in a prison cell the way he describes this it makes me seem like the movie either didn't get made or he didn't get cast which is very funny uh, he was going to be stuck in prison in another country and he was getting tortured all the time so to prepare he slept in a shed for four Four days asked his wife, <laughs> his wife, his wife, his wife at the time to just bring food out at certain times because he wanted to feel this sense of loneliness and complete isolation. Uh, said he had nothing in there with him, and he said after he was like, I probably could have just acted the part, but I really wanted to know what it felt like to experience that. I, so, so that I could bring it to the audition because it was a character that was going mad. So, if anyone ever wants to feel like they're going mad, just go to the tool shed for a while and don't talk to anyone. Yeah, but that's yeah, he's. That's a prison cell in another country, not a garden shed in your backyard. Yeah, That's yeah. That's just smelling, really you know, comparable. just sitting there going, God, I should clean that lawnmower. <laughs> uh, really. Uh, I won't give this place a lick of paint. Uh, gosh. Uh, and Juno Temple's in talks for Venom 3. Your fave. Yeah, yes. you love Venom. Uh, yeah. She is in talks, but I think final negotiations to start opposite Tom Hardy in the next Venom No, I three. liked the first one. The second one was a bit bleh. The second one was the only I good one. I thought you liked the second one better. No, oh. I think... Oh no, I can't remember now. <laughs> I like one of them better anyway. And there was definitely a number beside it. Absolutely, so it could have yeah. been one or two. One or yeah, two, yeah. yeah. Well, people know her from, probably best from Ted Lasso. She plays Keely. She's incredible. Uh, but that's obviously wrapping up with this third season. So she's eyeing up uh, other projects. We don't know who she's playing yet. And the plot details for the movie are being kept under wraps. But it doesn't matter because it's going to make a boatload of money anyway. Yeah, so. it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Uh, the best FaceTime movie came out during covid it was called Host. Seriously scary, kind of Blair Witch style. Only an hour long, not to be missed, says Peter. This is what I was thinking of when you were talking about searching, but they're not the same movies, no, clearly. No, this one's set all over Zoom and it's, yeah, that one's okay, until it isn't. But uh, 52 minute running time, not bad. Love that. Yeah. More mm. of that, please. I think I vaguely remember that, all right. And it was just all on, on, on FaceTime. Mm. It was just all people talking to each other and kind of threading the stories together. Yeah, because they're locked down because of the pandemic, essentially, and they do a seance o- o- over Zoom together. And Great idea. wouldn't you yeah. know it, yeah. it doesn't go well. <laughs> that's, that's what happens in these things. <laughs> really? Yeah. Just leave the ghosts alone. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right, okay, so uh, tell us about uh, the red wine. Okay, so the red wine tonight today is um, uh, Les Tomes de Cerise, or Les Tomes de Cerise. It's a pun, don't you know? Um, the time for cherries, cerise, or times of crisis. Cerise. Oh. So, um, yeah, so Santonet is the most southerly village in Bone. Um, so, um, so you in Bone, like it starts in Nuit, right? The Nuit Saint Georges, and then you get down to Bone, and the wines get a bit softer, and you get to Pomard, Valnay, and then into the sweet, into the richer Morachets, and then as you head out of the little hill, the little sort of escarpment, of, which is the Cote d'Or, you you um, you hit Santonet, and it's the soils change a little, so it's considered a little more rustic and so on. But these days, anything in Burgundy that is drinkable is usually being explored because Burgundy's just got so expensive; it's just got crazy. Mm. So this um, now, it's inter- I was told thirty two ninety five, but online it's twenty eight ninety five. So I think it's on special at the minute, and they have a couple of other wines. Uh, Father daughter team, uh, Antoine Olivier uh, Santonet. Um, uh, so look, this is you know Pinot Noir. People think Burgundy is going to be they have imagined a rich, rich thing. It's not. It's a light, it uh, is yeah. cherry flavored, yeah. subtle thing. He's uh, on the back of this. He's talking about the joy of spring and um, the sweetness of nature reawakening. And so, yeah. So cherries, bright sort of. Uh, now look, yeah. It's a spring summer. Drink it a little cool. It's not you know not something for a big beefy stew. It's for sipping in the garden with some cheese maybe and you know yeah. Um, um, but I thought it was quite good for you know yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you see, the thing is like, that you can't keep the disappointment out of your voice because you're remembering the 90 grand bottle of plunk you had someplace. That's what it is. You're like a member of the royal family who's been put on the dole. <laughs> I, look, bo- let's go to Beaujolais next time. Because, you know, I, look, it is just really annoying. I, you know, um, yeah, I, there was time. My wine club had a bottle of famous wine brought sent over from England uh, by post back in the 90s when I was in a wine club and uh, it cost about £80 to have it delivered yeah, right? Yeah. and that oh, would gosh. be now about €8,000 and that would be for a recent vintage you know I mean, it's just like it's ridiculous I mean it, it's just and it, I actually blame just rich people because it's easy if you're a rich person to just learn off the 30 or 40 most famous wines and then they all cost a fortune yeah, and then yeah. there's all these other wines I mean these are made by farmers in fact read my wine come tomorrow in the Irish Examiner because I'm ranting about the fact that wine is an agricultural product we should be considering it as something made by small farmers. The average vineyard size in Italy is two hectares. We should think of them like our own small farmers and we should not be slapping labels like our government is trying to do onto them about health. Yes, there's health labels that are needed. The EU is going to do that. But um, we're trying to put in an extra label, which will mean small producers won't even sell to Ireland. And uh, I'm cross about that too. Okay, so. all right. <laughs> and uh, that would be the platform for Leslie's yes, forthcoming yes, general yes, election yes, pitch. Uh, uh, <laughs> Leslie, thanks a million. Thanks to Dave. Uh, thanks to Vanilla. That's our lot uh, uh, for today. Movies and booze. I'm Moncrief on News Talk.